So, true story, not all answers to common problems can be found in a textbook. Also true, not all problems that you face in the lab are considered common. And that's why the National Society for Histotechnology is bringing to you this podcast as part of our Histo Help series. Let other NSH members help you with your problems, big and small, common and uncommon, thick and thin, at least if we're talking about sectioning. And don't forget, solutions like these can be found throughout the halls of the 45th Annual NSH Symposium Convention, taking place in New Orleans, Louisiana this year, September 20th to the 25th. And if you have a tip or trick that you'd like to share, reach out. We'd love to feature you on a future episode of HistoHelp. One of the things that has occurred to me as I've been listening to the radio a lot, I love listening to NPR in the afternoons. Everyone is talking about disruptive innovation, disruptive technology, disruption in politics. This has become one of those hot phrases, but I don't think anybody, I don't think people have really taken the time to ask themselves, well, what are we talking about here? And I know that I hear a word disturb or disruption and I had immediate, you have immediate negative connotations, right? Disturb your dinner and that's not good. So, so Dave, first of all, thank you again for being here. Um, But I started- Oh yeah, absolutely. About who is the biggest disruptor in the field of histology <laughs> that I know who might be able to break it down for people? And of course, your name came right to mind. So I thought we would just talk a little bit about what disruptive technology means um, in the field of histology and in the lab, both maybe in ways that we've seen it in the past that people may not even recognize. And then we right. see potential for disruption in the future. This has been a big topic for you lately. I know you care a lot about it. So if we were to assume that disruption isn't always bad, sometimes it is, but it's not always mm-hmm. bad. Yep. When you think about things in the past, possible disruptions in the past, what are some that pop to mind? Yeah, that's a good question. But if I could, before we go there, I, I just found this definition on, on the website. There's actually a, a site called Techopedia. Nice. That's the actual name of the, the website. And they have a a definition of disruptive technology that I really like, and it kind of resonates with me. And it's, it's the way that I want to define disruptive technology for the sake of this uh, quick podcast. And It says disruptive technology refers to any enhanced or completely new technology that replaces and disrupts an existing technology, rendering it obsolete. It is designed to succeed similar technology that is already in use. Okay. And I think that one of the, there, there there's several things within the histology community in particular that have uh, fallen under that category of disruptive technology. And uh, about a year or two ago, I had put a call out to the VIR group and I asked them, you know, to kind of think about their workflows and what they do in their lab and, and what they've seen in the past and what they can consider to be a disruptive technology. And, and several of them uh, came to mind and we can, we can talk about those and, and touch on those pretty quickly. But one other thing I wanted to talk about before I get to that is that I think people feel that um, it's a negative term yes. because like you said, it is disruptive. It's interfering. It's, it's coming into my, uh, my workday, my workplace, 
and it's causing change. And that's another term that people are very concerned about. People have different feelings when they heard the word change. So disruptive and change kind of go together. Terrifying words, yes. Terrifying words, uh, especially when people want to have consistency in their life. They want to be able to predict what they do from one day to the next and, and get into some kind of a routine. And that way they can be more efficient and and productive. And they feel that anything that's going to change their environment, anything that's going to create a disruption is going to really throw a wrench into their works, right? And it's going to cause them to have to invest more because it's going to cause them to have to learn something new or to buy new equipment or to do additional validation and testing. And again, that's going to disrupt or change their workflow. And one quote that I've heard by, by a leader who I can't remember right now, uh, but it's, it's something to the fact that you can't change the future without di- disrupting the present. So, you but we shouldn't, we shouldn't be afraid, right? Yeah. We should not fear right, the word disruption. Okay. That's right. And, and I think of something that, that sticks to m- in my mind right, right away. <laughs> and that's where we've come with immunohistochemistry. Again, a technique that's mm-hmm. kind of near and dear to my heart. And many labs are still doing this. I, I agree that they do uh, manual staining, right? The the hand yes. staining on the bench. Uh, but now we we have so many wonderful automated platforms that we can use, and it increases consistency of the the results, and it also dramatically frees up the the scientist or the technician's time, so they can be involved in more activities that that they need to use their brain. Right, and think hotter, uh, and not just apply a reagent instead of timer, like what we do with manual yep. uh, staining. So, this is a, a situation where the automated technology is disruptive, but it also allows them to free up their time to do other things, maybe even to to cut additional slides on a on a particular project, or again to get into the the literature and and think deeply about what they're doing and about. Uh, the type of science that they're trying to progress in their labs. So a welcome disruption is, I guess, the way I think of that when the way you just described it. Yeah, and it really it really comes down to a mindset. You know, people have to change their reaction to certain terms and really try to understand what is meant. And and usually the people are the greatest critics of things that they don't understand, right? So if you don't understand something, you're going to really be critical of it. Uh, but the more the more you embrace it, the more you seek to understand, the less scary it is. And you realize, wow, you know, this isn't really as terrifying as I originally thought. So what should I not be afraid of in the future, Dave? What do we see as far as um, things that are might be disturbing the process or disruptive innovation or technologies that, um, that are sure. exciting you right now or that you're hearing about? Yeah. Yeah, great question. So some of these things are already on uh, the radar of the NSH. Again, we we try uh, to be disruptive on purpose, right? We try <laughs> yeah. to, it's, it's one of the ways that I think we can add value is by looking at uh, innovation within the te- within histology and within the, the scientific community. One thing that I, I feel is gonna dramatically increase is multiplexing. So we've Definitely. done, some some multiplex IHC in the past, uh, different color chromogens, that type of thing. Now we're getting into an age where there is really wonderful 
uh, vendors available to do uh, multiplex uh, fluorescent detection because the, the science really needs it. As we get into things like CAR-T therapy, mm -hmm. which we have a, an excellent speaker coming to the symposium, uh, Laura Johnson, she's going yes. to talk about CAR-T therapy. And there's a need for these multiplex assays to understand uh, the immunophenotyping of the tumor environments uh, from patients that are treated with these different types of therapies. And so that, that's going to be really needed. And there, there are some vendors out there, I'm not going to go through the vendors, but uh, they're out there and they're going to be at the NSH and they can help us to adopt some of these new methods that are needed. Uh, the other area uh, additionally with multiplexing is around how we analyze the samples. So there's another uh, instrumentation that we've talked about in the past, uh, and it's called a mass imaging cytometry, mm -hmm. so where you can do upwards of 34 to 40 different uh, markers on one tissue section. So you're really getting into massively multiplexing, you know, not, not just four or five colors, but now up to these 34 and, and, and 40 colors. And it involves using specialized equipment that at this point, uh, I think it's priced out of the, the range of most labs, but maybe in five to 10 years from now, it could be a commonplace instrument in, in many labs. Uh, so we see it coming for technology. sure. Yeah, definitely coming. The other thing that we've been talking quite a bit about is digital pathology, where we're moving away from having a glass slide and having to pass off uh, glass slides to a pathologist and saying, here are your, here are your slides for you to read. Instead, we can actually uh, collect those digital images and send them out to multiple pathologists uh, at different locations, and they can come to a consensus of, of what the diagnosis is. So we're not limited to just having a physical glass slide. And, and there's also a concern about degradation of the sample over storage time. Also, uh, things can happen. The, you know, the, the thing about uh, pathologists running over uh, slides with their chair, for instance, you know, there's stories of that or um, pushing them off the desk and you sure. know, having a few slides break. So, those slides are temporary where digital images can be captured at the optimal time of the, the, the sample preparation. And then those are uh, storable. We can store them uh, in the cloud, which is a new environment where kind of virtual storage, or they can be stored on a, on a hard uh, physical location, like a hard drive. Well, and it's funny yeah. um, you say that about the cloud, because I think that's something that Really, if you look at it in the larger scheme of um, sort of the evolution of the internet, you know, it's newer, right, in that, in yep. that timeline, but it's something that did disturb, I mean, I remember when that came out and I was like, the cloud, where do you want me to put my pictures where? Yeah, um, exactly. And now I, everything I have on my phone, it goes right there. I work primarily off of a cloud. And, and so it's a really, it's an interesting thing when we look at those positive aspects, because it obviously has yeah. trained up the ability for us not to necessarily have to manufacture so many hard drives and, and the, with the digital pathology being able to help more remote or rural communities get better diagnosis, you know, it's a, such a positive outcome of, of something that disturbs the, the process. So, um, yeah, I know that absolutely. that's something that we, we talk about in the digital pathology course and, but even that in the last couple of years, um, has really been changing and becoming a more, the verbiage and the, the terminology is becoming more mainstream 
um, even on the block. So it's just quick. It's amazing how quickly something that can be a disruptor yeah. can become common as well if we're not paying attention to it. Absolutely. And you're mentioning about photos and I was thinking about music. So having grown up in the 80s, you know, I went through this transition from cassette tapes into CDs and everyone had CDs for all their favorite musicians and bands. Right. And then we went into burning the CDs onto a computer and playing MP3s. But now we have apps such as Spotify where you can just go and, and, and select any album that you want and then you can get instant music. And that is a disruption I have welcomed because I used to have to record my favorite music off of one of those, a tape recorder. I used to put the tape cassette in and you remember, remember you would wait for hours and hours for that perfect song and you'd have to hit those two (laughs) buttons on the far right. So I I welcome that disruption of, um, of the music industry because I was a slave to that tape recorder. Well, and anyone who who has had children will know that uh, those CDs can become flying saucers. Yeah. And they can slide across <laughs> the floor and then you, you're not able to play them anymore. So because they have terrible scratches on them. So I have a few of those. And then the jewel cases that break. Right. And it's very inconvenient. But now just having uh, everyone has a phone and you have access to electronic, you know, digital music uh, from that phone. Uh, but getting back to the histology, the other area that I see as being disruptive that, that ties in with uh, uh, the digital images is artificial intelligence. Yes. Right. So that's another big area that's growing. And there's companies, uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, Path AI, who are taking uh, millions of images that are available through the cloud. And they're training uh, software to identify specific regions in those sections. And so you could have uh, the software classify different types of diseases, different types of tumors and cells within tissue samples. And these automated uh, classifiers can then be used to measure uh, changes due to drug treatment or changes due to progression of the disease uh, within this uh, patient populations. So that's, that's another way that uh, disruptive technology is going to really change the way patients are treated and also how we look at uh, drug effects in, in uh, clinical trials. That's right. We had um, Andrew Beck, I believe, from Path AI last year as one of our keynotes. Absolutely. So Andrew, Dave, you yep. just keep bringing these uh, these topics to us and you're bringing them to everybody who comes. Um, well, this was awesome, Dave. I, um, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but sure. um, any final thoughts of advice for people? Don't fear the disruption. And, and, and get the conversation going within your teams. Talk about the way that you're doing things within your groups and see if there's a way that one of these disruptive technologies can be introduced. And it doesn't have to be like immediately. It can be gradually introduced over time, how, however long it takes to, to people adjust to it. But I think it's important in order to stay, stay on the cutting edge and to stay competitive in, in the way that we're applying science, we need to look at these, these additional uh, technologies and, and don't be afraid to, to embrace them. Awesome. Well, thank you, David Kroll, NSH's uh, biggest disruptor. <laughs> I appreciate your time. And um, yeah, and thanks for the invitation as well. It's a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you in New Orleans, Dave. Yep, me too. Take Have a care. great day. Bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, if you'd like to be featured on one of our Histo Help episodes, send us an email, histo at nsh.org. Thank you.